It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this August 21st as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Munoz versus Edgar. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll also wrap with uh, some some talkers surrounding the NBA draft lottery. And, of course, our, uh, our hometown team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, won the draft lottery. So uh, that's a fucking miracle. So, you know, we'll... When miracles happen on the show, we're definitely going to talk about it, and uh, this is obviously the last show of the week outside of the the main card showdown, which I think will be later today, if not on Saturday. So if I don't talk about the draft lottery today, uh, you know I'm going to end up talking about it on Monday, and um, that will be about three news cycles too short. So you know what I mean? We're a we're a 21st century company here, so we understand the the modern news cycle. So you know what I mean? We gotta. We gotta strike while the iron's hot, as they say. I don't really know what that means. I guess that's a smithing thing, but I don't know. I'm I'm not a smith, so um, <clears throat> yeah. Like I said, uh, we'll start off here with a preview of UFC Fight Night: Munoz versus Edgar. Um, not a good one. <laughs> not a good one. I can tell you that much. Uh, there's 11 fights on this card. Just kind of looking at it from a 30,000 foot view here. Um, I'll just be blunt. I will just be blunt. Uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. There are a lot of fighters on this card who have no business being in the UFC. I'm just going to say it. This is on paper. Now, like, like I've said, I think on last week's show, just because a card is bad on paper doesn't mean it will be bad in actuality because just because you've never heard of these fighters doesn't mean they're not going to put on exciting fights. It just means they're not well known. But, I mean, well-known fighters are probably going to put on better fights a higher percentage of the time just because they're probably well-known for a reason. Um, but I will say on paper, this is probably the worst card I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. This is probably the worst card I've ever seen. Um, and I, I, I'm not even trying to be hyperbolic here because I, I, would, I would tell you if it was just a bad card. I'd tell you if it was, well, it's not the worst card I've seen, but it's certainly not the best. No, I honestly think this is probably the worst card they've ever put on. Um, now, I understand we're still in a pandemic, so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and fucking cry myself to sleep that there's a shitty card on. But, um, yeah, this is a really bad card. So, like, I, the benchmark for a shitty card for me is that Shevchenko Carmouche card last summer in Argentina. But at least that one had a Shevchenko fight on it, and at least that one had... A title fight on it by my estimation unless I missed one which I don't think I did there's only one ranked fight on this entire card and that's the main event Munoz and Edgar there's outside of those two fighters the other 20 fighters on this card are not are not ranked not a single one of them is ranked um, I mean there's a there's a couple of good fighters who have been ranked or I guess one that I'm looking at in particular um, oh, okay so there's only ever been one other fighter ranked because all the other ones are, are new people or they suck. OSP is the only one who's ever been ranked. And I, he's not 
Let me check the UFC rankings. I don't even think the UFC ranks him. We, he's certainly not ranked in North Star's uh, rankings, I can tell you that much. But I, I'm curious what the UFC ranks him as. Because uh, he, did, he did have that little uh, foray up at heavyweight in his last fight. Yeah, they don't even they don't even rank him either, which is probably fair because I mean you know he's kind of flip flopping wins and losses, but like this is a dog shit card, dude. And again, the silver lining is hopefully it'll it'll, it'll be a good card, and you know, <laughs> for you to know fighters, you 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 have to have you have to have not known them, uh, you know, before. So hopefully this is one of those cards where you go, wow, I I didn't I didn't know. Uh, an Amanda Lemos before, but wow, she had a great performance, and now I know her. So hopefully, hopefully, again, I'm not hoping this is a bad card because I'm gonna end up watching the entire thing. So I don't want to watch, you know, shit TV. Um, but hopefully, this is one where you go, oh, okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know three people before, but they had good performances. Now, now they're in the old memory bank, and that's that's the most valuable thing you can have as a fighter is to be in the memory banks. If people don't n- know who you are, dude, nobody, nobody gives a flying fuck. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I can say here. There's plenty of fighters who are new into their UFC career. There's a handful of guys making their UFC debut, um, and then there's just straight up guys who like should not be in the UFC. Um, I mean, in, in fairness, looking at the canceled and fizzled bouts here on Tapology, which is why they are far superior than uh, than Sherdog. If they want to, you know, pay me a little coin, then you know that'd be cool. Um, but we were going to get a quick turnaround from Maki Patolo. He was going to fight Impe... Jesus, Lord. Impe Kasanagi... Impe... Impa. Jesus, I messed that up. Impa Kasangane. Kasangane. Um, <laughs> final answer. Um, he was supposed to fight him, but that got uh, rescheduled. So... It, is Maki just coming off of a loss? I know he fought... Yeah, he's just coming off of a loss to Darren Stewart. Um, so not that I would have been super excited for that fight, but you go, eh, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard of that guy before. I've, you know, if you're, if you've watched the UFC in the last year, you've probably seen him fight. Um, Yoel Romero and Uriah Hall, uh, Romero got hurt. So that one got canceled. I will say if that one would have been on here, I would have, I would have been a little more excited. You know what I mean? Uh, Cause that would have been a fucking barn burner. Um, but yeah, that one that one moved, and, and Hall is going to face Anderson Silva, um, so that that'll be um, that'll be interesting. Uh, OSP was originally supposed to take on Shamil Gamzatov, uh, who I kind of would rather see than uh, Menafield. I mean, this guy's thirteen and zero, one and zero in the UFC. He did have a split decision win over um, Clinton Abreu, and then uh, what is that? Uh, Michelle Waterston and Angela Hill that got rescheduled. I mean, two kind of gatekeepers, I guess. But I don't know. They would have put out a, a halfway decent fight. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's uh, let's get into this one. So on the prelim opener, we have a bantamweight fight here between Timor Valuev, uh, Valiev, and uh, Trevin Jones. Um, so there's no odds for this fight because it uh, is a super late notice fight for Trevin Jones. Uh, Valiev was supposed to fight uh, Mark Striegel, um, and he uh, he withdrew. Um, if there were odds, from what I could gather from um, uh, 
both these guys' records and just kind of – Valif seems like a, a legitimate prospect. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was supposed to make his featherweight debut, I want to say, a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and that got canceled. Um, actually, he had to pull out. He had to pull out. I forget why. Uh, but he was supposed to fight Jamal Emmers, uh, which that's kind of a tough test for your UFC debut. Let's get a sip of coffee here. Um, but I'm certainly going to favor Valiev in this fight. Uh, he, I, again, like I said, he seems like, like a legitimate prospect. He is 30, uh, which is a little bit older for someone coming into the uh, in, into the UFC uh, when you're talking about the bantamweight division. Because, I mean, once you turn 35, I mean, your bantamweight career is, is over at the highest level. Uh, he does train at Jackson Wink, um, so that's... Uh, that's a that's a good sign. Uh, they're they're really good at cultivating um, talent. Seems to be a decision fighter, and uh, most notably, uh, back in the World Series of Fighting days. So he's he's kind of been around for a hot minute. Um, he he lost a split decision to Chris Gutierrez, the guy who had the uh, leg kick KO over. Man, who, oh, irrelevant. But he had the he had the leg kick KO, uh, like one of like thirteen in the UFC history. But then he came back and got a unanimous decision victory over Chris Gutierrez. So, you know, a guy who's fought uh, commensurate talent um, in the UFC. Trevin Jones, I have fucking nothing to say about this guy. I've never heard of him. Uh, his his nickname is Five Star, which, I mean, you know, that's... Trust me. Some of these other <laughs> fighters on this card, fucking trust me. We're going to get to far worse nicknames than Five Star. So that one's actually probably uh, that's, that's actually probably a good good nickname. Uh, all things considered, but he's two and two in his last four fights. A couple of split decision losses, um, and and a couple of chokes. So, um, yeah, I have fucking nothing to say about about this guy. Nothing to say about this guy. So yeah, we're obviously picking Valiev in this one. And I should say we are looking for one hell of a bounce back performance because our last couple of weeks. Um, have just been fucking terrible. I mean, we lost the belt, but we're going to get it back, so I'm not concerned about that. But um, our pick percentage has been just bad, bad. We went 10-5 and five in the Whitaker until one, and then ever since then, 3-5, and 7-5, five, 5-6. and, five, five and six. I mean, it's it's been a bad slump, I got to tell you. August has been a, a shit month for uh, our, our picks. Um, but moving on here, also on the prelims, uh, Matthew Semmelsberger takes on Carlton Minus um, in the welterweight division. It's a minus 115 pick'em for both fighters. Um, again, these are two fighters who do not belong in the UFC, uh, at least at this moment. I'm not trying to be negative, but they're both really young in their career, especially Semmelsberger. I mean, a 6-2 and two fighter, that's... I'm not going to pretend to know how good those six wins were, but, you know, that's... I don't think in regular times we, we would even ever see two guys like this at this point in their career. Again, not not discounting the fact that they couldn't improve and, you know, maybe Samuelsberger would string three more wins in a row and he would get to the UFC legitimately. But, um, uh, yeah, we're just in weird times, man. We're in weird times when it comes to who gets into the UFC and who doesn't. Um, but Samuelsberger, he's 27. Uh, he's on a three-fight winning streak. Um, and... and the thing that I can take away from his six wins, because when it comes to guys like this who are making their UFC debut, who I've never seen, listen, I'm not gonna fucking lie to you. I don't know. I don't know shit about Matthew Semmelsberger. I don't fucking. Nobody pays me a lot of money to do this, so I don't sit here 
and, you know, watch tape on guys like this. Um, but the thing that stood out to me is, although he only has six wins, uh, he has wins by decision, uh, TKO, and submission. So it at least tells me that at that level, at the, at the well, at the C level, um, which, which is important because you got, I mean, if you don't do well at the C level, you're not going to get to the B level and you're not going to get to the A level in the UFC. Obviously, he kind of skipped the B level, but, <clears throat> um, you know, he, he's well-rounded enough to, to win um, no matter what method presents itself to him. Uh, Carlton Minus, um, not a whole lot I can take away from his, um, from his uh, uh, fight career. Uh, although, notably, um, he fought Rick Story in uh, the PFL in 2018, and he uh, got choked out. So that's... Uh, oh, he fought Justin Buckholtz as well. That's interesting. Uh, I don't know what the fuck he's doing these days, but I know he used to be a coach at Alpha Male. Um, I think he's still a coach. He coaches somebody who fights in the UFC, but I can't quite remember who it is. Um, but I love these Alaska fighters, and uh, Minus is uh, an Alaska fighter. Um, I don't know. Alaska fighters seem interesting to me. We had an Alaska fighter, I think, on the last card. Um, maybe not a native-born Alaskan. I don't know where the fuck Carlton Minus was born, but um, fighting out of Alaska. Like Cannoneer. Cannoneer, like, half of his fucking career before he got to the UFC was in Alaska because he was stationed up there for the Air Force or whatever the fuck Cannoneer was doing uh, in the military. Uh, so good old Alaska FC. I, I respect that. I respect that. And because I respect that so much, I'm going to pick um, Carlton Minus to win. It's it's a minus 115 pick him, so I guess it's it should be pretty even. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with him just uh, solely on the fact that he, he fought in Alaska FC. That's, you know, that's a solid promotion. We, we, we're big respecters here of Alaska FC. I can, I can tell you that much. Uh, moving on here on the prelims. Um, in the light heavyweight division, we have Ike the Hurricane Villanueva taking on Jordan Wright. Uh, Ike is a minus 120 favorite. Wright is a minus 100 favorite. Uh, I forget where I found these odds. <laughs> so I don't I don't know where I got these odds from. But I don't know how you can be a minus 100 favorite. Because doesn't that just mean you bet 100 and you get 100? So you, you just get your money back. You don't even... You're not going to lose anything. You're not going to gain anything if you bet on Jordan Wright. So how the fuck does that work? I don't get how two guys can be the favorite. So I don't even understand how someone can be a minus 120 favorite and the other guy be a minus 110 favorite, let alone someone being a minus 100 favorite. Because you, that just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. You bet 100. Ah, there's got to be some, there's got to be something with that. Or maybe that was a goof. Or, or a typo, but I definitely, it's definitely what it said on the website, because I wouldn't have written down minus 100. I mean, I've seen, like, minus 105. That makes sense. I can comprehend that. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's not the exact same odds. But I, how the fuck do, how the fuck would betters make money on this fight? It just doesn't make any sense. I need a sip of coffee to fucking level me out here. That doesn't, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, but moving on to the fight here, uh, Villanueva, we saw him in the UFC. We saw him, oh, I'd, I'd say like five to six weeks ago we saw him. Um, oh, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, <clears throat> a little more than three months ago. So my, uh, I'm not very good at gauging time uh, by fights apparently. But um, 
this was a guy who made his UFC debut. Uh, what card would that, that have been? That was the 13th. So that I think that was the Wednesday night card. Yep, that was a Wednesday night card. So that was a Smith versus Teixeira card. Um, and he got knocked out by uh, Chase Sherman. Uh, so that's that's real bad. Chase Sherman is one of the worst fighters I have ever seen grace the UFC octagon. And I'm not even playing. That is one of the worst fighters I have ever seen. Like, dude, I if I if I had five slots, five slots, and I had to pick the five worst fighters I've ever seen in the UFC, no disrespect, but the five worst fighters I've ever seen in the octagon, I can fucking guarantee you Chase Sherman would be on that on that hand. Like, I'd put Alex Nicholson up there. And I'm not, I guess I'm not talking about like, oh, guys who fought in 1997 in the UFC, like in, in my time watching, I guess, which, well, I guess that goes back to 2016, but, um, in recent UFC history, I mean, Jesus, CM Punk, Mike Jackson, uh, Alex Nicholson, Chase Sherman, and Hannah Cyphers. Those are the five worst fighters I have ever seen. I, it's, maybe they're good fighters on the regional scene because that's how they got here. But inside the UFC octagon, I've never seen a worse fighter than than those five people. And Chase Sherman is—if you get knocked out by Chase Sherman, that's a real bad sign. That's a real bad sign. Um, and Chase Sherman does have some wins in the UFC, but they're all against absolute, absolute tomato cans, like Rashad Coulter and like. So what what let's let's see this here. He's got two wins there. And then a win there, so three. One, two, three, four, five. He's only three and five in the UFC, which doesn't sound super bad. Um, but it is. It's re- real bad. Like he lost to like Justin Ledette. Um yeah, Chase Sherman is real bad. So uh in case you couldn't tell, there's no fucking way I'm going with Ike Villanueva in this fight if you get knocked out now he's now in fairness he's maybe he's not a true heavyweight because um oh gross Parker Porter and Josh Parisian are gonna fight on November 28th I could have gone my entire life without seeing Parker Porter fight again uh but that's interesting uh, but back back to the back to the fight here but this fight is at 205 so it is a little interesting because this is a guy with Solid finishing ability in Fury FC, um, but he, but he is you know again he had a little baby fat on him at heavyweight which you know a lot of heavyweights do but um, probably a smart move to to go down to 205 here but the other guy I know that this is essentially a pick 'em um, so it's not like uh, uh, oh Jordan Wright's such a such a good fighter uh, no it's a pick 'em but uh, I'm gonna go with Jordan Wright uh, great nickname he's the Beverly Hills Ninja. The Beverly Hills Ninja. So uh, I like that. He also has a lot of finishing ability, and he can get it done with submissions or with punches. He's got a 10-second spinning back kick knockout uh, against Edward Darby, old Edward Darby, who uh, was 0-21 and at the time they fought. Okay, actually, actually, hold the hold the fucking horses here. Now that I look at his record, he's fought a lot of guys who are 0-21 and 0-10. And uh, an 0-5. Oh, okay. And you know what? No, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go with the Beverly Hills Ninja. Cool ass nickname. And uh, I would never pick 
anyone who got knocked out by Chase Sherman. Um, yeah, that's that's just bad. Uh, moving on here on the prelims, we have Dwight Grant, who's 10-2, taking on Caleb Bourne. Uh, this is a welterweight fight. Grant is the minus 400 favorite. Now, he's 35 years old. Um, he's 2-1 in the UFC. I guess 3-1 if you count the Contender Series, which... I don't know. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I guess I should be more consistent about counting that, but... I mean, that's kind of the UFC. Um... But uh, the body snatcher—that's a good—that's a solid nickname. So things are looking good for uh, for him. Um, knocked out Carlo Pedersoli um, early in 2019, uh, and then a split decision victory over uh, Alan Joban at uh, 236. So, I mean, he's he's rocking a he's rocking a 16 month layoff, which you know at his age is um, I don't know that's pretty significant. But Caleb Bourne here was was just he's here to be fed to uh, Dwight Grant. Uh, this is a short notice fight, I believe, because I believe Grant, I believe he was supposed to fight someone else. Um, yeah, Jared Gooden, uh, whoever the fuck that is. So, uh, short notice guy. I mean, not that he couldn't pull a performance like Justin Jane's. You know, it's entirely possible that short notice people can win fights, but uh, we'll go Dwight Grant on this one. I have n- literally nothing to say on Caleb Bourne. Um, You know what, what I'll, I'll pull the old UFC 3 uh, intro on Caleb Bourne. Um, he's a UFC fighter making his debut, looking to burst onto the scene. Uh, he has seven wins, and he has eight fights. And that's my little fucking Chiron introduction for Caleb Bourne that you would see on UFC 3. Uh, moving on here, uh, almost at the end of the prelims here. In the lightweight division, it's Austin Thud Hubbard taking on Joe Selecki. Hubbard is 12 and 4. Selecki is 9 and 2. Hubbard is the minus 140 favorite. Uh, my apologies to the odds makers because I I totally forgot what website I uh, post the odds from. Um, actually, you know what? I think I have that somewhere. Let's give him let's give him credit. I, I like giving people credit. Um, oh, they're from the score. The score. So. Shout out to the score for, for odds. I don't normally use them. I normally use like William Hill or something. But uh, yeah, shout out to you guys. So this is this is an interesting fight. I think we with Austin Hubbard, we've kind of found we've kind of zeroed in on him. So I, I guess what I mean is we've seen Austin Hubbard against people he has no business fighting, and he he puts in work. Now we've seen him against pretty high level fighters, although not highly ranked because they're early on in their UFC career. And he's failed those tests. So we've kind of zeroed in. So Austin Hubbard, we know he deserves to be in the UFC. Because, you know, he's definitely beat up on some guys. He's definitely a tough fighter. But we, we've kind of seen his ceiling early on. Now, I'm not saying that's his ceiling forever. I'm certainly not saying that because he's, a, he's, a, he's 28. So obviously he has plenty of room to grow. But at least for now, we've seen, we've seen the floor. We've seen the ceiling, uh, all things considered. So now I think this is the perfect fight for him because... Um, this is a guy who's probably uh, in between. So this this is a big fight for me and my opinions on Austin Hubbard because if he wins it, um, then, then I can kind of go, oh, okay, all right, yeah, step up in competition in your next fight. Let's see what happens. But if he loses, I'm not saying he should be cut by any stretch of the imagination, but if he loses, then you kind of go, hmm, I really don't know where this guy fits in. Um, 
So this guy has had a, a pretty pretty storied UFC career in four fights. <laughs> I, I got to say so. Um, so he's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He makes his UFC debut in May of 2019 against Davi Hamosh, and he loses by unanimous decision. That's a fucking real tough fight for your UFC debut. Davi fucking Hamosh. That's kind of mean. That's kind of fucking mean to have Davi Hamosh as your UFC debut. Now, I know he's on a two-fight losing streak, but the losses to Makachev and Sarukian. Uh, I don't know anything about BJJ, so uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I, I know what any of anything I say about this guy means, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's like a multiple-time world champion in, in like the ADCC or, or whatever the fuck, the Abu Dhabi or whatever the fuck they call it. So like one of the best BJJ practitioners in all of the UFC, in all of the UFC, I mean like, again, he's... He's like 500 in the UFC as a fighter, so BJJ doesn't necessarily exactly one-for-one translate to MMA, but when it comes to straight BJJ skills, ah, he might be, he, he might, he might, sorry if I forget anybody, and I'm just, it's theoretical, he might be the second best BJJ practitioner in, in all of the UFC behind Damian Maya. Like, he's really fucking good. So then he comes back and gets a win over Kyle Prepolik, who doesn't belong in the UFC, but... Good for him. We're zeroing in. Then he loses to Mark O. Madsen, who is a fucking gold medalist in the fucking Olympics in, in I don't know, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, whatever. One of the wrestlings. Um, then he comes back and has the infamous fight with Max Roshkoff, where he quits at the end of the second round. Uh, he just got cut recently. I don't know if we mentioned that uh, on the show. Um, but now going on here to face uh, Joe Selecki. So this was a guy who came from the Contender Series. Uh, he's only 26, but he's on a four-fight winning streak, made his UFC debut in December of last year, beating uh, Matt Wyman, who was coming off of a, a little bit of a layoff, but a UFC veteran, uh, no doubt. So this one, this one's interesting. I gotta say, I'm leaning towards Joe Selecki in this one. Um, so we're gonna go Joe Selecki by decision. Not that Selecki doesn't have finishing power, but... Uh, Austin Hubbard certainly has the UFC experience, um, but I don't, but I don't think I don't think Hubbard has a win like Matt Wyman on his record. He's fought better fighters than Matt Wyman because I, I think very highly of Madsen and I think pretty highly of Davi Hamosh. But uh, I'm gonna go Joe Selecki on this one. Uh, apologies if Austin Hubbard wins this one and I uh, overlook him once again. But uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Mr. Selecki. Uh, so now here on the prelim main event, I guess. I always fuck that up. The, pre- the, the, the main event of the prelims. Uh, Mizuki Inoue taking on Amanda Lemos. Uh, Inoue is 14-5. and five. Lemos is 7-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Mizuki is a minus 165 favorite. And she's a really interesting fighter, I gotta say. So I believe she trains with Ray Longo up at... It's not. It's no longer Long, Longo Serra, I don't believe. I think it's Longo Weidman. So I don't know. If, I've been trying to figure out. I guess I haven't dug too deep, but I, I don't know if Matt Serra and, and uh, Ray Longo are friends anymore. I. I don't know because I could have swore it, I went to their website one time and it was it was Longo Weidman, um, but that's fucking fascinating. So you're a Japanese fighter, 
And, uh, I mean, not that it's impossible to train overseas. Uh, there's certainly plenty of foreign fighters in the UFC. But, like, oh, that's weird. How the fuck did you find them? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just that's kind of fascinating. That seems kind of weird. Like, you look at Ray Longo and you look at Mizuki Inoue. And you're like, oh, that's an interesting mix. I don't know. That's, that's, that's cool. Um, but she's only 26. Now, she started her pro career at 16. At 16. So she was kind of a prodigy. Um, I mean, this is well before women's MMA really took off. So this is like 2010, 2011, 2012, um, right before the UFC allowed uh, female fighters. Um, so, yeah, kind of a wonder kid. Now, um, a little bit of a Ricky Rubio comp here because very talented, started young. Rubio started as a, actually probably younger than 16. Certainly was a pro when he was 16. Um, really talented, but doesn't always show it. But coming around, she's coming around. So she's won six of her last seven, and her only loss was in 2018 to Verna Jandiroba, uh, who fought last week, uh, who looks like Rob Schneider, and whose eyes scare the fuck out of me. Uh, but she also struggled early in Invicta. So she went to Invicta when she was like 20, 20, 21, and she she struggled. That's where most of her losses uh, came from. So, she, you know, losses to Emi, Tomi Matsu, um, and, you know, a couple couple of losses to, to UFC future UFC fighters at that point, Karolina Kovalkiewicz um, and Alexa Gra- uh, Grasso. Um so, yeah, I mean, someone who has a lot of experience. Uh, Amanda Lemos, I have nothing to say about her. She's 1-1 one one in the UFC. Uh, I've probably seen her fight. Doesn't stand out to me. Um, but we're going to go with uh, Mizuki Inouye on this one. Um, she is the the slight favorite. I just think she's the more talented fighter. Again, don't know a whole lot about Lemos. But uh, here on the uh, the prelim main event, we're going to go Mizuki Inouye. Uh, moving on here now to the pre, uh, the main event. Jesus Christ, I'm messing up all my fucking intros here. On the uh, main card opener, the main card opener, uh, Takashi Sato versus Daniel Rodriguez. Sato is 16 and three. Rodriguez is 12 and one. Uh, this fight taking place at welterweight. Rodriguez is the minus 175 favorite. Uh, Sato, he just won over uh, Jason Witt back in June. Uh, wasn't it wasn't even close. I believe that was a super super quick knockout as well, 48 seconds. Uh, but this this is a guy who I mean that was a, a short notice fight with Wit because uh, he was supposed to fight uh, uh, Ramiz Brahmaj. He also was supposed to fight uh, Maki Patolo back in February. Now this was a guy who made his UFC debut and won it versus Ben Saunders, and then he went on to fight Bilal Muhammad. Um, on on the Khabib Poirier card, and he lost that one by uh, round three rear naked choke. So this was a guy who they kind of threw right into the mix at welterweight. Not necessarily the highest level guys, although I mean Blow Muhammad. I mean yeah, he is ranked. So I guess in that sense, yeah, one of the you know. But Ben Saunders, not exactly a high level guy, but you know certainly a UFC veteran with a lot of experience. Um. So again, with him, we're trying to zero in where he is. Now, Daniel Rodriguez uh, is, is going to be a tough out for him here. Uh, goes by D-Rod. Um, minus, minus points for creativity. That's a, a terrible nickname. But uh, this is a guy who's on an eight-fight winning streak. His last fight actually came 
in 20 or his last loss actually came uh, in 2017 at Kambache 19 Queen Warriors versus Victor Reyna. It was a split decision loss. Uh, we just saw Victor Reyna get knocked out by Louis Koski on uh, the Contender Series a few days ago. Um, but he's put together quite the impressive streak. A lot of finishes in it. He's 2-0 in the UFC. Again, this guy kind of thrown right into the mix in his UFC debut. Um, so he is a guy coming off the Contender Series. Um, he has one more win, and then he goes on to face Tim the Dirty Bird Means. And he, uh, he chokes him up by standing guillotine in February of this year. Obviously, we saw Tim Means' performance versus Loriano Staropoli um, a couple of weeks ago. And then Rodriguez, he's supposed to fight Kevin Holland on the, uh, the the last fight card in May, which would have been Woodley versus Burns. Now, he was going to fight Kevin Holland. Now, I think Kevin Holland would fuck him up because I think Kevin Holland is a really, really high-level fighter, a really exciting fiver, sl- a fighter, slowly becoming a, a fan favorite. But he fights uh, Gabe Green, and that fight was a fucking war, a slug-em-out war. Um, I think... Uh, Rodriguez certainly uh, won that fight. I, I don't think there was any question uh, about that, but it was close. It was competitive, um, and uh, uh, fuck. I mean, I shout out to Gabe Green because you know when you talk about okay, so you're Gabe Green, you lost your UFC debut, or you're Daniel Rodriguez in this situation situation because I guess that's more applicable. Um, just because you fight in the UFC doesn't mean anyone knows who the fuck you are. If you're just buried on the prelims and you're a nondescript fighter, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. Um, But when you have a war like that, that's where I commit to memory Gabe Green and Daniel Rodriguez. I go, oh, I know that guy. That was the very exciting fighter who had uh, an awesome slug him out war, you know, with, with another UFC fighter. So perfect. I mean, probably not perfect for his health to have that type of fight, but, you know, he won it and you know, seemed to take not a whole ton of damage. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of the fight you need when you're, when you're young in your UFC to UFC career, excuse me. Um, so we will go Daniel Rodriguez, um, on this one. Sato's a, a good level fighter as well, but we'll go, uh, Rodriguez here. Moving on, we have the mailman's lock of the week. It's time now for the Mailman's Lock of the Week. So, like it said, the Mailman's Lock of the Week here is going to be Maria Agapova. As she takes on Shayna Dobson here at 125. Um, I hate to be so obvious with it. I hate to be so obvious with it because Agapova is a minus 1100 favorite. But she is my lock of the week. Now, we've been really bad with our lock of the weeks because we have been picking with our heart and not with our brain. So we picked DC. We picked Gustafson. We picked, you know, all these guys who ended up losing their fights. So, like, we might be 500 with our lock of the week. So we need a real lock of the week here. And minus 1,100 sounds like a very fair lock of the week. Um, Agapova, uh, she's from Kazakhstan, which is nice. Uh, She's 23. Uh, she made her UFC debut versus Hannah Cyphers uh, and uh, knocked her out. Now, it was a great performance. Everybody was glowing about it, but 
Um, that's not really a, a, a super solid win. It was it was a, an exciting finish, but you beat, like I said, if I could pick five of the worst fighters I've ever seen personally in a UFC octagon, Hannah Cyphers would be for sure number one or number two. She's one of the worst fighters I've ever seen in the octagon. Um, again, not trying to be a dick about it, I, I guess, just kind of being clinical about it. Um, so, okay, exciting win, but against someone who doesn't even belong in Invicta. Um, I don't know. I guess she, I guess with Hannah Cypher, she just takes a lot of fights and I guess that's how she stays in there. But, uh, she's 28. I mean, she's lost three fights in a row in the UFC. Now she does have two wins in the UFC, but again, they're not really against good fighters. Uh, she has another fight upcoming. So I think she might set a record here, to be honest. Uh, I think she's going to lose to Mallory Martin, um, in later in August. Oh, a week from a week from uh, this Saturday. Uh, and when she loses to Mallory Martin, that will make four losses in 2020 for Hannah Cyphers. So she, I, I don't know what the current record is, but uh, that's very impressive. So you know she's averaging two losses or a loss every two months um, in the UFC. Um, I, th- I think she should, uh, uh, she, she, she should go to Invicta. I'm not saying oh she's never going to be good. She's 28. She could improve. But it's, like I always say, it's really hard to improve in the UFC. So I would really like to see her go somewhere else and actually win fights um, and and maybe come back in a couple of years once you have more experience. You just can't really learn in the UFC. It's kind of a tough thing to do. Um, but enough talking about uh, Hannah Cyphers. Uh, Agapova. Um, I don't know. It's, it's so tough because people like to overreact to, uh, you know, impressive UFC debuts I don't know she could go out here and get smoked I don't think she will but I mean it was just one one fight this was a fighter who was on the contender series and lost to Tracy Cortez just just 13 months ago so I don't know what the ceiling is for her but I'm excited to figure out where it is because I think she'll climb this these uh, rankings here at 125 relatively quickly Shanna Dobson another fighter that doesn't belong in the UFC uh, her nickname is Danger, uh, which is interesting for someone who only has one finish on their uh, record. Uh, she's lost her last three fights, all to fighters that don't really belong in the UFC. Uh, she got knocked out in the first round by Pris- Priscilla Cashueta, another fighter who doesn't belong in the UFC, but we just let them just stay here because, you know, women's MMA is relatively uh, new and still developing, so we... Uh, we let uh, low-level talent sometimes occupy the the bottom of uh, these divisions. Um, yeah, this is not this is not going to be close in my opinion. I'm going to go a finish here, which is rare because I don't normally pick women women's fights to uh, go to a, a finish, just because the odds would tell you it, it they're not going to go to a finish. They're going to go to a decision. Uh, but we'll go Agapova, and we'll, we'll say she finishes her. Uh, moving on here on the featured bout, it's Mike Rodriguez taking on Marcin Prochnio um, in the light heavyweight division. Uh, Rodriguez is the minus, <clears throat> excuse me, the minus two twenty favorite. Uh, he's ten and four. Prochnio thirteen and four. Uh, Rodriguez, he's thirty one. His nickname is Slow, which uh, that's real bad. That's a real shitty nickname. Uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be. Is that like a, a pun or something? I don't even understand it. I don't even doesn't even make sense. Uh, awful nickname to have as a fighter. Slow. 
Well, what are you? What are you? Why not go by Mike Loser Rodriguez? Why not go Mike Knocked Out Cold Rodriguez? Like, pick a good nickname. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate his nicknames, not like Pitbull or you know, the, the Killer or or the the Black Widow Strangler, you know, or something that's overly you know badass, which means it's not badass. Um, but slow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one, dog. Um, he has one win in four UFC fights, so you know, not, not exactly. Uh, maybe slow is is accurate. Um, this is a guy. He came from the oh the first season of the Contender Series. That's interesting. Um, so he has one win in the UFC. It's over Adam Milstad, a loss to Devin Clark, a loss to Daun Jung. Um, and a no contest to John Allen. So, I don't know. Tough to pick this guy when he's got one win in his last four fights. Um, but it might be easy to pick when he's fighting Marcin Prochnail because uh, this is also a guy who uh, doesn't have a win. Well, actually, not also a guy, but this is a guy who doesn't have a win in the UFC. Um, he's 0-2. He lost to Sam Alvey and lost to Megamed and Kalaev. Um, he's also coming off of a 23-month layoff. 23 months layoff. So that's tough. We're going to go with uh, Daniel Rodriguez in this one for virtually no reason. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I'm between a rock and a hard place here with uh, two awful choices. Um, but you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, would you rather? Um, I wouldn't want to do both is not an option in would you rather. If you say I, I wouldn't do either, then you're a fucking idiot. You don't understand how games work. You have to pick one. So um, you know, we're picking fights here. I gotta, I gotta pick one. I can't just say, oh, this fight fucking sucks. I'm not gonna pick this one. No, I gotta pick a winner and I gotta pick a loser here. So we're, we're gonna pick Mike Slow Rodriguez. Moving on here now to the co-main event. It's Ovince St. Prue taking on Alonzo Menafield. St. Prue is 24 and 4. Menafield is 9 and 1. Um, Menafield's the minus 125 favorite. Um, yeah, this is, this is another doozy. Uh, there's no, no way this should be a co-main event. Um, I, I guess the only thing I could say for Ovince, I mean, he was a title challenger versus John Jones at UFC 197. Um, he last fought at heavyweight. He looked pretty good, but he still lost to Ben Rothwell. Um, this was a guy who, I don't know if he was ever ranked in the top five, but he certainly for a while was ranked six through ten. Um, I mean, he's got some good. He's got some good wins. D- d- damn near great wins in the. Well, I'm not gonna go that far, but you know, he did have that vicious head kick knockout of Corey Anderson. Um, he's got a couple of Von Flu chokes over Mikhail Olasechuk and uh, Yushin Okami, and Marcos Hagerio de Lima. Um, choked out Tyson Pedro. Um, this is. Oh, even as a fucking knockout of uh, Shogun Hua. That's interesting. And an early Von Fluchok over Nikita Krilov. Now, this is a guy who's more known for his tough level of competition than he than he than he's known for for beating the tough level of competition. Um, he fights a lot of tough fighters like a Dom Reyes or a Volkan or a Jones or a Jimmy Manoa or a Glover Teixeira or a Ryan Bader. I mean, he just go on forever. This guy's had a million UFC fights. Uh, he loses all of those ones. Um, but you know, he'll, he, he's definitely a gatekeeper. He'll definitely beat the guys below him. Um, now he's on a little more of, of a tougher streak recently. He's lost four of his last six. 
but they are the relatively decent fighters. Um, I mean, even Ben Rothwell. I mean, and, and, and that one's tough, too, because that's a move up to heavyweight. Now, Menafield is interesting. So, this is a guy who came off the Contender Series, if I'm not mistaken, which just proves why that's so much more superior than uh, the Ultimate Fighter, and which is why they should, shouldn't even bring back the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, pretty much every new, young, exciting fighter comes off of the Contender Series. Uh, he had an eight-second knockout of Deshaun Boatwright. He had a first-round finish of Vinicius Mojeda and a first-round finish at the infamous UFC Minneapolis card over Paul the Bear Jew Craig. Um, he had finishes in every single one of his fights, all all knockouts, uh, and uh, six of them, six of the eight coming by first-round knockout. And then he ran into Devin Clark, and he had a real stinker of a performance at UFC 250. That was a real bad performance. Uh, he gassed out after one round and was completely gassed going into the third. Devin Clark out-grappled him. He out-wrestled him. He pretty much outstruck him for the final two rounds. Uh, Menafield kind of blew his load. He did have Clark really, really hurt in that first round. He had him really hurt, damn near finished, but blew his load. Um, if you don't have the cardio to go to round two... That's very scary. That's a very bad sign. So, uh, Menafield has proven has proven that he could knock you out in the first round, and then the fight's over, and cardio doesn't matter. But if he gets outside of the first round, ah, uh, yeah, he's pretty much just a, an overly inflated balloon animal, to, to steal a quote from uh, Israel Adesanya, who I watched his interview with uh, Costa last night on ESPN. Just a terrible interview. That, that interview really makes uh, Israel seem like a, a, a dick um and yeah that was a not that i'm not that i'm one of these guys you know i'm certainly not one of these guys but i was just watching that like because i'm a huge fan of the ufc so I, you know what i mean like the, the interview could be whatever but i watched it and i tried to put myself into the shoes of someone who's not a ufc fan like just some random person watching the interview I, and and if i was if i was in that that person's shoes i'd be like what the fuck these like what the, this guy's flipping off the camera, swearing into the camera, just saying stupid shit, getting, you know, overly heated from Costa, not even saying anything. Like, wow, this is a bad representation of the sport. So I, I he did not carry himself well in that interview, uh, and I, I do think he's going to lose that fight to Costa. But um, neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what to pick. I, I was really excited about Menafield. I still kind of am, but Jesus, like if to not have the cardio to go six minutes is a little fucking scary when you go up against a, a veteran guy like Ovin St. Prue. Like, so think about the cage time for Menafield. I'm, I'm totally going to spitball here because I'm not going to sit here and add up the, the fucking the math here. But, you know, a lot of his fights he finishes in the first round. So let's just say, and some of them went to the second round, but he had a lot of them that were like 22-second knockouts. So let's just say eight minutes there, 15 minutes uh, you know, for the three-round decision with Devin Clark. So this is a guy in Menafield who probably has like 23 minutes of, of cage time. Yeah, this is a guy in Oven St. Prue who has 38 fights. I mean, he has more fights than you have minutes in, in cage time. And a lot of Ovens's fights tend to go to decisions. So this is a guy who probably has fucking hundreds of minutes of, of cage time and you have like 23. So it's so tough because I want to pick Menafield. Um... Although I kind, of, I just kind of don't, man, because Devin Clark, 
I mean, fair play to Devin Clark. I'm, he's, you know, he's still figuring it out. He has some kind of not-so-great losses in the UFC, but he's got some wins. You know, he's a, he's a guy to watch out for. He's a good wrestler. Shout-out to, you know, South Dakota. Shout-out to his dad um, for screaming on a UFC broadcast. But I'm going to go o- OSP on this one. I just don't even... I don't even really see how you could pick Alonzo Menafield in this one. Now, I, I, I will say... If Alonzo, like, it, it's entirely possible, entirely possible that Menafield goes out there in the first round and just starches him, just starches OSP, just blitzes him and, and, and knocks him out brutally. But if this fight goes past the first round, dude, it's a clear-cut OSP win. And I'll tell you this much, I'll tell you this much. If Menafield doesn't knock Devin Clark, Jesus Lord, if Menafield doesn't knock out OSP in the first round, he will not see the final bell. That's my bold prediction. If he doesn't knock out OSP in the first round, he will not see the second. Or, well, he might not see the second. He's certainly not going to see the third bell. Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much: OSP has finishing ability. And that's not a knock on Devin Clark. I guess that's kind of two separate statements. Although it's gonna it's gonna seem like it's the same statement because you know, obviously Menafield just fought Devin Clark, but. You know, OSP, he'll he'll cinch you up in a Von Flu choker. He, he will knock you out. If you get tired like Menafield did and it's the third round, yeah, have fun have fun defending a super quick left head kick, uh, Corey Anderson style, um, from OSP. So, I, I mean, again, anything's possible. It's possible OSP could win a decision. But OSP's dangerous as fuck. He's a crafty veteran. Again, he has more fights than you have minutes in a fucking cage. So... You know, it, it is possible. Hey, listen, Menafield could clip him early and finish him, but I'm going to side with OSP here because this is a veteran. He did look really good at heavyweight coming back down. Um, I, I got to go with OSP on this one. And hopefully I'm right because this this should be the, um, you know, the, the smart veteran pick by me. You know what I mean? Because a, a lot of people might might get, you know, they might feel some type of way about seeing Menafield and, whoa, how many first-round knockouts does he have? Holy smokes, I'm going to pick him. I'm going I'm to bet money on him. But they're going to bet wrong, motherfuckers, because OSP's winning this one. Moving on here now to the main event of the evening. It is a bantamweight fight here between Pedro, the young Punisher, Munoz, and Frankie, the answer, Edgar. Uh, Munoz is 18-4. and four. Edgar is 23-8-1. and one. Munoz is the minus 240 favorite. Uh, again, this is the only fight on the card between fighters who are ranked. Um, yeah, the bantamweight debut for Frankie Edgar. Um, he was supposed to make his bantamweight debut versus uh, Corey Sandhagen, but he had that loss to... Fuck, was it the Korean Zombie? Yeah, oh, it was the Korean Zombie. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, so he, he ends up making his uh, bantamweight debut seven months later than he was hoping. Um, Edgar is on a two-fight losing streak, although it's you know a title loss to Max Holloway and then the loss to uh, the Korean Zombie. Uh, this guy has had more title shots than I've ever seen. Um, so it, it it wouldn't shock me if he won if you know if he won this fight, uh, you know maybe one more win and he gets a title shot and then I mean, has there ever been a guy who's gotten a title shot in three different divisions? Um, and he, he had like three featherweight title shots. He had a shit ton of lightweight title shots. So, I mean, never count Frankie Edgar out. This guy's an old school, uh, uh, you know, tough guy, uh, fighter. Uh, I will say his age is really going to work against him. He's 38. That is 
that's practically 45 years old at bantamweight. Like I always say, if you're a bantamweight or flyweight, your your career is going to start to go downhill when you're 35. This guy's 38, and he's making his bantamweight debut. That's that's fucking tough, man. That is fucking tough. Um, because speed is, speed is so important when you're down here, and speed speed is the one thing that you're going to lose when as you get older. You know what I mean? Like you you see fighters, they might they might. What is it? They always say power is the last thing to go. You might have your power until you're 42. You know what I mean? But fuck me. If you lose your speed, and, and that's why it's... I don't think this foray down here at Bantamweight is going to be ultimately successful for Frankie Edgar because uh, there's a lot of young guys below 30 who are fucking killers in this division, and they're fast as hell. So I don't see this going well for Edgar. Uh, you know, like A guy like Munoz... Munoz is a guy who knocked out Cody Garbrandt in a firefight. He stood there toe-to-toe in, uh, you know, a phone booth and knocked out Cody Garbrandt, one of the fastest fighters we've ever seen. So how do you think this is going to go against Edgar if they're on the feet? Munoz is going to knock him out. Or if, if not, he's going he's gonna to have a decisive uh, unanimous decision victory. Now, it's, it's possible, you know, if Edgar's probably the only way to win this fight uh, is through wrestling, and then I guess speed is, is less of a factor, but, um, fuck, it's a tough fight, uh, this fight was canceled three times before, they were supposed to fight twice in July, and once, uh, last week, um, yeah, this, this, this is not gonna, this might be one of those sad finishes, uh, to a UFC career for a legend like Edgar, I mean, let's not forget, arguably, arguably, Frankie Edgar is the best lightweight of all time in, in UFC history, he, if you look at title defenses, he has three lightweight title defenses. Uh, I think that's tied with Benson Henderson, surprisingly, and uh, uh, BJ Penn. So this guy's a legend of the sport. He's certainly going to be UFC, a UFC Hall of Famer uh, when it's when it's all said and done. But fuck yeah, this this is going to be a, a real tough fight for him. Um, Munoz, this is a guy who's coming off of a loss to All Jermaine Sterling obviously gained popularity and uh, shot up in the rankings for beating uh, Cody Garbrandt, knocked him out in uh, crazy style. That's a fight I'd love to see a rematch of. Um, he's won seven of his last nine. He, seven of his last nine. He is 33 years old, so he's not necessarily a spring chicken, um, but, you know, still actually probably exactly in his prime at 33. So, I mean, this is a guy who would, wouldn't shock me if this guy was a UFC champion in a year or two. Uh, probably le- less than that. I think I think in two years we'll figure out, you know, where Munoz stands. Um, and a super fucking nice guy. This guy's a really nice guy. You listen to him talking with Cody, Cody Arban after he uh, knocked him out. Really nice guy. Um, painting a really broad stroke here. A really broad stroke. I understand this. But Brazilians are really nice people. They are really fucking nice people. Or... They're not so nice in the cage. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of in-between, you know what I mean? Uh, And I'm sure there is, but like, oh, we have Pedro Munoz, super nice, awesome guy. Would love to to share a beer with that guy. Damian Mayo, one of the nicest people on the planet. Junior Dos Santos, tough to find a nicer guy than Junior Dos Santos. Um, And then you have like, Vanderlei Silva, Betch Cohea, people who, you know, people hate, fighters hate. So it's kind of weird seeing the dichotomy, obviously, painting a, a very broad stroke there. Obviously, it's a spectrum of, of every shade in between. But 
uh, at the highest level in the UFC. It kind of seems like it's one or the other. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 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 th- I think Munoz is going to be too much. I mean, this is a true bantamweight um, in, in Edgar, but he's just he's making his bantamweight debut just a little too late. You know, it, it really would have been interesting to see Frankie Edgar start his UFC career in like 2015. You know, that's why it's so impressive that he was the, the lightweight champ for as long as he was, because he probably really wasn't cutting any weight. Um, you know what I mean? It was just the, the, the era that he fought in. But Frankie Edgar at five foot six, I mean, you know, we saw the move down to 145, but he was just a little too old. I mean, Jesus, could you imagine a 29-year-old, 30-year-old Frankie Edgar, um, you know, in today's MMA, if, he, if you just shifted his career, uh, you know, like eight years forward? Because, I mean, make no mistake, I mean, it's probably a true featherweight, if I'm being honest, but, I mean, you could make the case he's a true bantamweight. He's five foot six, But, uh, yeah, I think Munoz gets it done here. Um, and he, I, I do think he finishes him. I think he finishes him, which is impressive. That's going to say something. He's only ever been finished twice, um, but they've both happened in the last two years, uh, two-plus years, Ortega and uh, the Korean Zombie. But Munoz is fast as shit. He's got great boxing. I'd have to imagine he has a decent ground game, although I haven't seen it. Um, in, in the fights I've watched with him, but again, doesn't mean he doesn't have it. But I think Pedro Munoz wins this one. Um, and then after that, I mean, I'll look at the the rankings here real quickly. Um, Jesus, my computer is ex- exploding. Um, you know, because he's number five now. Again, if if Edgar wins, I mean, he's probably in the top five or maybe number six in the bantamweight division. Um, if Munoz wins. He probably goes ahead of Sandhagen at number four. Uh, he might even go... You know what? Actually, he probably goes ahead of Garbrandt at number three. I know Garbrandt had the really awesome knockout of a Sun Sao, but Ma- Munoz has the head-to-head win. So, to be honest... And y- y- you never know. I'm spitballing here. Um, but I'm just kind of going through my thought process, um, you know, for what likely would happen. Munoz is probably number three. He's probably number three. I think I would put him ahead of Garbrandt because he does have the head-to-head victory. Um, and then at that point, Sterling is going to get the next title shot. You have Marlon Marais, but he already got a title shot. So, I mean, if Munoz wins this fight, it's not, it's not crazy to think he gets the, he, he gets next on next. So, I mean, Munoz, listen, if you win fights and you're at the top of the division, no matter what good things will happen, if, it, if not a title shot, you know, he'll get a main event, um, you know, for a fight night versus, you know, fuck, who knows, Marlon Marais or something like this. Good things will happen when you win. That's kind of the main point here. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Again, we'll pick uh, Munoz to beat uh, Frankie Edgar. Uh, wanted to wrap up the show here with uh, the NBA draft lottery. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves won it last night, which is fucking amazing. Um, this is a team who has been in the draft lottery I mean, pretty much like 27 of the 30 years they've fucking been on, on this planet as a franchise. And uh, they only ever moved up one time. They always moved down. The only time they moved up, they picked Carl Anthony Towns. So this this is, uh, is interesting. Now, I guess they did have Wiggins, and, I mean, technically they didn't pick him uh, with the first overall pick, but, I mean, he never played a game for the Cavs. Um I don't know. Hopefully that hopefully that reigns true here because let me tell you this much, you know, 
I think this is true, but let's let's think positively, Timberwolves fans. So, a lot of people say, and this is kind of true, like there's no Anthony fucking Davis or LeBron James in this in this draft class. But let's not forget when the Timberwolves won the first overall pick in 2015, it was not a con- foregone conclusion that Carl Anthony Towns was going to be the number one pick. It really fucking wasn't, dude. Anyone who says they knew Carl Anthony Towns was going to be the first overall pick is a fucking liar. That's revisionist history. It was probably a 45% chance for the majority of the draft process that Carl Anthony Towns was the first overall pick. But there were probably half of the people who thought that Jaleel Okafor... As many people who thought that the big cat should be the first overall pick, uh, an equal, equal number of people thought that Jaleel Okafor should have been the first overall pick. A lot of people were excited by his offensive prowess. Um, you know what I mean? So a lot of people thought he should have been it. And then there was also a small contingency of people who thought D'Angelo Russell should have been the first overall pick because uh, he's a point guard that's a premium position. Look at the teams that are doing well in today's NBA. They all have franchise point guards. So it, it was less than 50% chance that people thought that, that the big cat was going to be the first overall pick. Now... As the draft process came towards the end, so like the last two or three weeks, it became more clear that that Towns was going to be the first overall pick. But for a long time, he was not a consensus top pick. Now, obviously, the Timberwolves picked correctly. Would have been fucking devastating if they picked D'Angelo Russell, or certainly would have been devastating if they picked uh, Jaleel Okafor. So that's kind of what I'm hoping happens here. There's no consensus number one pick. This is not a Kyrie Irving draft class year, uh, but you do have your pick of the litter. Now, I want to pull up a, a list of, of prospects here because the one guy who is probably in the same spot that Carl Anthony Towns was in is Anthony Edwards. So Anthony Edwards is not the consensus overall first overall pick, but if you polled... If you polled... 100 draft pundits, he probably he probably would be the number one answer of all of them. Now, you're going to get some people who are going to say LaMelo Ball. You're going to get some people who say Wiseman. Uh, honestly, you're probably going to get some people who say Obi Toppin as well. But I think Anthony Edwards will be the pick here for the Timberwolves. Um, and hopefully, kind of like Carl Anthony Towns, as the draft process goes on, because there still is, you know, two plus months before we get to the draft I hope you know we really identify that that Edwards is the guy now if we identify if we identify that that LaMelo's the guy then so be it I want the best overall player I don't want the best fit so even though we have D'Angelo Russell even though we do have a point guard I don't want to sit here and go well we're not even going to consider LaMelo Ball no that's fucking stupid consider everybody I want the best possible player I don't care I don't give a shit how they fit into the system. We'll make it work. We'll tailor the system tailor the system around the talent. We're not going to tailor... I mean, this is the NBA, so getting star players is super fucking hard. I'm not going to sit here and pass up the guy who I think has the highest probability to be a star just because I want, oh, we need a power forward, so let's draft Obi Toppin. Well, if Obi Toppin's not the number one guy, then let's not fucking take him. Now, if he is, ah, oh, fair play, let's take him. But I don't give a sh- I don't give a flying fuck. I, I want the best player here. Now, I think it'll be Edwards, and that'll fit in perfectly. Um, 
trying to spitball a lineup here. So, I mean, then we're probably looking at D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jarrett Culver. God, God knows who we're going to start at power forward and then Carl Anthony Towns, which is a lineup I can live with. A lineup I can live with, certainly for the future. Now, the interesting thing here with the Timberwolves is we have the first overall pick. And there's a really shitty team to the southwest known as the Phoenix Suns. Now, they have a guy called Devin Booker, who I'd be very fucking interested in. Um, th- this is a guy who, uh, he's going to play zero defense, uh, but he is a super talented uh, scorer. Now, D'Angelo Russell's not really known for his defense either. The big cat is known for his defense. Our defense gonna be is going to be dog shit if we get Devin Booker. But we could just literally outscore a lot of teams. If we get the big three of Russell, Booker, and Towns, I don't give a shit who else we put on the court. That's going to be a fun, exciting team that is actually going to go pretty far in the playoffs. And that's also a team we've kind of seen it. We've kind of seen it the last couple of years, but not so much. Not not to any significant extent because uh, you know uh, we're still a. a pretty bad team but we would become a destination team so we would get guys who probably could get a decent amount of money on the on the free agent market we would get guys who would take less money to come here on like a mid-level exception uh you know what i mean like uh like an avery bradley we would get guys like this we would get solid veterans on minimum contracts if we had that big three so that's enticing because if you Listen, if you decide that Anthony Edwards isn't the consensus number one guy and you look at this draft class and you just kind of go, well, it seems like this looks like the 2013 draft class where there's not really a top guy, um, then fuck it. Trade it. Trade it because Devin Booker still has like four years left on his deal. Now, I think you could maneuver a trade. I really do. I really do. Uh, You get the three amigos together in, in Russell, Towns, and Booker. I hope they would stay here for a long time because if you have three best buddies on a team, like just don't be a dick. Don't make stupid moves. You know, uh, let's keep these guys together for a long time. Let's fucking win a championship. I'd say that's worth it to, to be a championship contender with that big three, which I think you would. I'm not going to say you'd be the favorite, obviously, but you could certainly go far. That's worth it to trade up the first overall pick to get a, a, a known sure all-star in Devin Booker. Now, I don't know why Phoenix would do it. Maybe they just want the first overall pick. Maybe they realize they're not going to win with Booker. I don't know. But you you, you could make that trade. You could make that trade. Um, I would not do it if it was like a Paul George trade where you had to give up like eight first overall or eight first round picks because the Timberwolves fucking suck and the team would probably, knowing the Timberwolves, the team would probably implode and then we, we're just a shitty team with no draft picks. Um. But if it was, I want to pull up the roster here, because I would trade anybody outside of Russell and Towns. So like, we'll give you the first overall pick, uh, a, a first round pick two years from now, uh, because we already traded next year's pick to the Warriors, and we'll give you Jarrett Culver and Josh Akogi. Why would Phoenix say no? Now, I've seen Bleacher Report are are the kings of doing this, making stupid bullshit trades and then being like, oh, here are some realistic trades that could happen 
Uh, with the... I got, dude, I gotta pull up this fucking thing, because it was the dumbest fucking article I've ever fucking read. It was fucking ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Ha ha ha, here it is. One trade for every NBA lottery team if it wins the first overall pick. The dumbest shit I've ever fucking read. Thanks, Greg Schwartz. Like, I'm okay with reckless speculation. But, like, just say that these are possible... Just, just say these are trades. These are not... Oh, they might... Oh, they trained it. They, they, they changed it. They fucking changed it. Or, no, this is from three days ago. Where's the Where's the newest one? Where's the newest one? Because there was something that was so fucking ridiculous. Oh. All right, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to find it. I will find this. <laughs> so I'm going to take a break. Okay, so I searched far and wide. I couldn't find it. So I think they might have taken it down, which is unfortunate. I think they probably got fucking dunked on by the internet and probably took it down. That's just my guess. Uh, because it was one of the dumbest articles I've ever read. It was it was something crazy. It was like... Um, fuck. It was, it was like uh, uh, the, the Cavs trading like the fifth pick and, and Dante Exum for like the first overall pick. And just like stupid... Just stupid shit like this which you know nobody's ever realistic about their trades they always underestimate what it would take so i think my trade is actually very very fair and very legitimate first overall pick of a future first round pick maybe we'll say top three projected for 2022 um or 2023 i don't know how that fucking rule works but a future first round pick and then um yeah josh Akogi, who is kind of a budding I'm not going to say star, but a, a, a budding really good starter. And uh, Jarrett Culver. So you get the you know sixth pick in the draft. Didn't really have that great of a first year, but he still is a young, talented guy um, you know, who, who, could, who could work out. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got to work on his, his efficiency numbers now that I pull up his stats. But I, I think that would get it done. I think that's an entirely fair trade. Because you know, what I mean, you know, who knows what the 2022 or 2023 first overall pick would be. But for Devin Booker, you're replacing him at shooting guard with Anthony Edwards because that probably would be the pick for the Suns. And then you get Culver, so you got your starting small forward. And then Okogi, ah, that's kind of tough. I guess he's your sixth man because he kind of fits into that spot, both those spots. Or fuck it, I guess Okogi's your starting small forward, uh, you know, because he's better than, than Culver. But I think that would really turn out. But, you know, listen, it's always a good year to win the NBA draft lottery if you're the Timberwolves. I mean, this is one of the worst franchises in NBA history, so... Hopefully they don't mess it up, and I look forward to Anthony Edwards being a Minnesota Timberwolf by November 2020. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, we'll have the main card showdown either later tonight or uh, early tomorrow afternoon. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.